Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. If anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? It's time for Powell at the Park. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs, Sox, all your Chicago baseball news. Dynamite drop-in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. Welcome into episode number 11. Already at 11. Powell at the Park Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, review, and rate. You can also listen on Google Play, WDGNRadio.com as well. On this week's episode, I talk with Sam Paniatovich from Vissen, Vegas Stats and Information Network, is um, really kind of the uh, head and shoulders above pretty much all the, the gambling media outlets. Um, I think it launched just last year. Brent Musburger's behind it. He, he uh, hosts a show there. So um, they do a great job out there in Vegas. It's, it's you know, a lot of the a lot of the gambling stuff you find online, it's, it's always seems to be like second-rate stuff. You go to the websites and it has great gambling insight, but it just feels a little... You know, it feels a little backroom sleazy, and it's and it's uh, the design of the website looks like it's from 1998. So, this is sort of like you know moving forward on the media gambling um, world of things, and they do a great job. You can stream it on uh, SiriusXM. You can watch it at their website, things like that. So, anyway, Sam, who used to work at, here at WGN for for many years in the sports department, works for Vissen now. He moved out there earlier in the year. So, anyways, wanted to talk to him about. The monumental ruling by the Supreme Court to strike down the federal ban on sports wagering outside of Vegas, uh, Vegas in the country. A uh, lot to break down there. Um, so we'll talk to Sam. I also talked to NBC Sports Chicago's Vinny Duber. Vinny's a good guy. Um, gotten to know him over the past year or two, and uh, he covers both teams in town. I seem to see him much more at uh, Sox Park, but um, Vinny knows his stuff. And we'll have a good conversation about the Sox and Cubs, but we'll start the episode, as we always do, with the rundown. All right, I want to start the rundown. I'll get into this a lot more with Sam later on in the podcast as well, but the uh, the ruling from the Supreme Court is to uh, essentially allow all states, if they want, to to legalize sports wagering within their, uh, within their boundaries. So I just think that the what I'm envisioning, or at least what I hope, and uh, I wish I had money to do this. I wish I was one of those guys that could just... One of these developers with money all the time. But I would just love for, like, a awesome sports parlor that's, like, a bar in there. Maybe some billiards in the back. Basically, like, a really kick-ass bar with a sports book in it. Like, I hope there are some private companies that are getting ready to, to actually build something like that. Like a standalone betting parlor that can be a hangout place. You know, like a lounge, a bar. Um... That would be awesome. Like, if you could, if you could post up there on like, uh, you know, um, just a great sports weekend, March Madness. Of course, so many people go to Vegas for. And by the way, I don't think this is gonna hurt Vegas all that much. I think it's like two percent of their bottom line is is determined by their sports books. Plus, Vegas is a destination. People want to say, "Oh, I went to Vegas for March Madness. I went to Vegas for the Super Bowl. It's a trip. It's a destination. They'll be fine." Plus, a lot of the the you know companies that own casinos in vegas have properties outside of vegas like caesars has like 15 properties something like that so um anyways i do hope that there are some like local angles to it where there are local <clears throat> dollars that are going to go into a, a, a specific betting parlor or something like that but i think in the meantime we will see you know states utilize their racetracks their casinos maybe an otb 
Um, talk about this with Salmon a little uh, later on. You know, I, my local watering hole where I go, you know, get a few beers with the buddies, has an OTB attached to it, and it is full from the moment there is a, a uh, the first race around the globe, essentially, to the last race of the day. They're always there. These guys are always there. I think a, a lot of them would love to be able to walk up to one window, bet on a few horses, and then walk to the next window and bet on the Cubs or the White Sox or the Bears, something like that. So um, I think it's really exciting. I think there's some great possibilities. Hopefully the state of Illinois doesn't screw things up. Probably a good chance they do. Um, But I'll say this about this ruling. I think it's something we'll look back on in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and just be like, well, that was so crazy that we weren't allowed to bet on, on sports. You know, I mean, think of prohibition with liquor. Imagine that now. So it just seems like a no-brainer kind of makes sense thing. They're going to, you know, make sure this thing's regulated. Everybody's going to want a piece of the pie. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to as well is Ben Zobris' Shoegate. Um, we have Shoegate here in 20, 2018. Ben Zobris not happy Major League Baseball won't allow him to wear his all-black PF Flyer cleats every so often. They're badass, by the way. Seeing them up close, they're, they're super cool, and I love it. Zilberis has talked about how basically it's a uh, respect thing for players of the past. Guys like Ernie Banks who used to wear those old-school black leather cleats, and um, Zilberis not happy about it. MLB not happy about it. He got a slap on the wrist. They're going to try to talk this out and come to a solution. Um, you know, I don't think we should like overreact and say the MLB is this big evil empire and that they won't let the players have fun and things like that. You know, this was all bargained for. This is in the agreement. This is why I never have that much sympathy for the players in certain s- situations like this. I mean, like, I get it. I hope Zobris is allowed eventually to, to wear them. But at the same time, it's like there is agreement between the Players Union and Major League Baseball. It says 51% of the of your shoe needs to be the primary color of your club. So I see both sides. Hopefully they can come to a solution. You know, let them do it once a month on, like, a Sunday or something like that. Um... But I, I don't think um, I guess just how everything is now is you got to have a you got to take a side whether it's with Zobris or Major League Baseball you know because I've seen stuff on Twitter like MLB sucks they're the no fun league now blah 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 it's like okay relax a little bit this is agreed upon they've got to regulate their uniforms they don't want things to get crazy and I totally get where Zobris is coming from too so we'll see how where that goes um, that was this week's rundown and uh, we get more into the gambling more into Cubs and Sox. Coming up with Vinny Duber of NBC Sports Chicago and Sam Paniadovich from Visit. All right, our first guest is Sam Paniadovich from the Vegas Stats and Information Network out in Vegas. You guessed it. Uh, Sam's been working there for a for about, about half a year now, and he's been covering this this Supreme Court ruling about the sports betting and um, following that closely. Well, and wanted to get his perspective and what are people saying out in Vegas. How are things, man? I haven't really talked to you much since you uh, since you headed out that way. Well, it's been pretty crazy. You know, I left in February, like the first ten days of February, and since then we've been waiting, Kev. We've been waiting for this decision. They thought it would be maybe March, maybe it'd be April. It ends up being May. Supreme Court rules that PASPA is unconstitutional, so now the floodgates open up, and now you know sports gambling is going to be legal as far as, uh, you know, on a state-by-state basis. You know, Illinois will be coming up soon. I know that for sure. It's legal in Nevada, of course. New Jersey is going to start taking bets in a couple weeks before the finals. West Virginia right around the corner. Pennsylvania right around the corner. Same with Mississippi. So it's a domino rally, and you're going to start to see a lot of state legislatures 
really ramp up the uh, activity as far as introducing and passing bills because everybody realizes, hey, we can tax this stuff. We can make money now. Let's get involved. Yeah, we'll get into all the logistics of it all in just a second, but it's it's. Uh, I think the uh, the friends out in the desert kind of had a forward step on this whole thing. I'm, I'm guessing Vissen's kind of been all over it, and and just talking about what you do there, Sam. It's um, you know, the thing when this whole started, Vissen, I. Uh, you know, it was forward thinking because there was there was plenty of gambling talk out there on the internet, but it all felt so dated. Like some of these websites you go to, it's like you know we're designed in the '90s. So, um, you know, Vison's been great. You can listen to it on Sirius XM two hundred four. Sam's on that uh, throughout the week. Just talk about the network, Sam, and what it's been like working there, and what people can uh, expect to see and hear and read when they uh, when they turn to Vison. It's pretty much sportsbook radio. That's how I would characterize it. We uh, we give information, we give trends, odds, matchups, stats. We don't sell picks. Let's get that you know mm-hmm. out in the open. We don't we don't give you know nineteen ninety nine dollars a pick. We don't do any of that stuff. We're we're way above that. We just try and inform the listener and inform the better. Um, you know, we had a trend the other day about Las Vegas, the Golden Knights. How when they're at home, they're thirty three and thirteen when they're at home at T Mobile. You know, we try and pump that stuff. My biggest uh, avenue this whole postseason has been the Boston Celtics as a home bet when they're at home. And lo and behold, nine games this year in the postseason at home, they've won nine times and they've covered the spread nine times. So we try and find angles to tackle. It's pretty much everything you would hear in a sports book or amongst buddies, amongst bookies, conversations you have on who to bet, who not to bet, when to pounce, when not to pounce. So. That's really what we do. We're trying to inform, entertain, and educate. I don't know if you heard Steve Kerr the other day before his press conference, a Warriors head coach said, you know, I take the Warriors tonight, and I'd, I'd be careful going against Cleveland tomorrow. You know, so he, we play bites like that when they involve mm-hmm. sports gambling. It's pretty much anything you can hear betting-wise, we talk about it. Yeah, I like it too because and I've I've said this before about people who are really into sports gambling and betting and wagering on sporting events that even if you're not a gambler, it's a good source just to listen because you guys do try to you guys do try to mine out every little detail involving every player, every team, every league. You guys cover it all and you guys like you guys dig for every bit of information. So I always tell people, even if you're not into the gambling aspect of it, you're still going to learn a whole hell of a lot about the sports world in general. I also have tried to figure out exactly how to, how to learn more about every sport. Cause yeah. I've been, you know, calling college basketball. I played basketball. So basketball has always been easy for me to sort of handicap, but, you know, learning more how to do this baseball on a day-to-day grind. You know, back in Chicago, we had to cover all these teams. You know, you had to cover the Cubs and the White Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears, and you don't have much time to, you know, dedicate to learning about how they make lines and how lines move and why lines move. You know, we had to do our jobs, and this was sort of a hobby for me, but now it's a full-time job. So I'm learning on, you know, on the fly as to how to look at a baseball team, you know, when they've won four in a row and then they go on the road and play West, you know, what are the advantages? Are there any advantages Uh, with hockey? I wasn't a big hockey fan uh, as far as betting. I still don't really bet it all that much, but I'm I'm learning, you know, I'm trying to to, to round into form as far as all these different sports. And now we've got guys here on staff camp, they're doing golf matchups. So they bet like Mickelson against Tiger. You know, you could do that. You could bet on Will Jordan speed finish in the top 10. We've got a guy who's hitting like 60% in NASCAR matchups. So it's, it's insane to me all the different ways that people try and make money. And if you talk to the right people and get the right information, you can make money. Let's be serious. All right. Let's talk about the Supreme court ruling. They strike down the federal ban on sports wagering um, outside of Vegas, of course. 
Uh, I think a lot of sports gamblers are excited. Mark Cuban tweeted, the Dallas Mavericks owner tweeted the other day that um, basically if you're a, a le- uh, an owner of a team, you are worth basically just doubled, or at least the value of a team doubled. I think he was he was probably exaggerating a little bit, but it, I think it's good news for them. Um, let, let's talk about, uh, we'll get into Illinois a little bit too, but the MLB, and I know, were, were the leagues actually trying to to not get this through in the courts. Was that, was that more politics, though? Like, you know, this whole, they all talk about the integrity of, that's kind of the route they have to go, right? They're just saving face, and they, they couldn't, it would have been a bad look if all these leagues went into the courts and were like, yes, legalize gambling. So if they were, you know, because I read some reports that they were kind of trying to slow this thing down in, in, in the courts. Is that accurate? Um or, or was that just politics? Because they're all going to make so much money on this. They fought this for 30 years. They didn't want it to happen. And then all of a sudden they realized, hey, maybe it works. Maybe we can make money on it. And then they wanted a piece of the pie. It's just amazing the way that they've changed their perspective on it. You know, the leagues, you know, 1992 is when PASTA went into effect. So that's, you know, 26 years or so. And Chris Christie and company in New Jersey, Ray Lesniak was a senator. We had him on visa actually the other day. Talking about how, you know, in 2012, they were on an island. You know, they just wanted to, to go against, uh, you know, all the leagues. They, they went against the NBA, the NHL, NFL, MLB, PGA, NCAA, and the leagues all sued the state of New Jersey. So this was a six-year battle. Mm-hmm. And then once the uh, state of New Jersey got toward the finish line, the leagues came out and said, well, okay, we're okay with it, but we want, uh, we want a piece of the pie, mm-hmm. right? Of course you do, because you know it's going to be legalized. You see the success of the Vegas Golden Knights. You see that the Raiders are moving to Vegas. So eventually there will come a time down the road, and that's what all these leagues are realizing. Hey, there's going to come a time where you can bet on the NFL when there's a team in Vegas. So they knew it was inevitable. And once they finally figured that out, hey, buddy, hey, yeah, you guys can come on in. Yeah, we just, you know, we want a piece of that. And Mm -hmm. the math, I don't know if you heard the math, and that is ridiculous. They wanted 1%. The leagues asked for 1%. Right. Of every dollar wager. So the integrity fee, dollar. they're calling it. Oh, what a bunch of bunk. You know, I mean, there were eight, nine basketball teams tanking this year. Devin Booker for Phoenix was day-to-day for almost six weeks. We didn't know if he was going to play or not. Where's the integrity there? Guys aren't playing on a regular basis. They're taking days off. Coaches are resting players. Where's the integrity there? You know, LeBron James, two hours before the game. Yeah, he's going to sit out for rest. The spread moves six points. So, I mean, where's the integrity there? The math, though, back to the math. They want 1% of every wager. So let's make it $100, right? The league said, all right, we get a dollar of every $100 wager. The problem is, Kevin, of that $100, the sportsbook only nets like 5 bucks. Right. They get, they get 5% rake, essentially, right, for the most part? No, most... it's 20%. It's 1 of 5. It's, it's not 1 of 100. It's 1 of 5 because of that 100, the sportsbook only, only makes 5. So it's not 1 of 100. It's 1 of 5 because you have to pay staffers. You have to regulate your business. You pay taxes. People actually win money, believe it or not. So you pay out wins. The sports book of a hundred dollars, they only keep like five bucks. So that one of a hundred is not one of a hundred. It's one of five, and that's where the leagues are so out of their element here. And that's why all these states are saying no chance, no way. We're not paying you one percent of the handle. It's impossible. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I mean, that integrity fee is going to eat into the sports books, and then the sports book might up that that amount too. And then does that in turn end up? you know, deterring some people from gambling because part it of it affects the price. What right. it does is instead of a 10% juice, like when you bet on a football game, you bet 110 to win a hundred. Right. If the sports books have to pay this integrity fee, you're talking about now to bet on the bears on a Sunday, instead of laying 110 to win a hundred, 
Now you got to lay 130 to win 100 because the sports books have to find a way to make up this profit that they're now losing because of integrity. So then they tax the hell out of the, the betters, right. and the juice goes up. And then all of a sudden, the black market, which everybody's trying to chip into, the black market's going to be fine because the local bookie's not going to change the juice because he realizes, hey, I've got 110 still. I've got a better price. People are going to keep betting into me. So there are so many questions, man, that have yet to be answered, and right. everybody has all these questions, and... And a lot of them, we just don't have answers to. So, so what do you think is going to happen with that integrity fee? You think you think that'll go through? New Jersey says they're not paying it. They said they're never going to give the leagues a dime. Um, they said that on our station this week. Of course, Vegas doesn't pay an integrity fee. They're not calling the starts. I saw some legislation in Illinois. Uh, Senator Napoleon Harris was uh, suggesting that they do the integrity fee because it'll be good because the leagues will be in their corner. But I I don't know. I mean, you don't have well, to do it because the, the government just told you it's legal now. So you don't really have to pay the integrity well, what fee. Well, says they're not going to do it. What about a scenario where, I mean, this is crazy to think but, because the teams essentially would be their own sports book, but if they really want money off this, what if they just open up their own betting parlors within their own stadiums and their own ballparks and take their own bets? That's a possibility. Now, of course, there are so many things to shake out, but if you look at what they do in the United Kingdom when you go to an EPL game, like an English Premier League soccer game, when you walk in, I've had friends that go to these games, they sit down in their seats, and somebody walks up to them with like a menu of things to bet on. You know, yeah. there are kiosks in the concourse. You can put in, <laughs> you know, put in some euros, and then, you know, on a computer screen, you know, you pop in your bet, and the All ticket right. comes out. So in Europe, you can bet in stadiums. You know, in Australia, you can bet in stadiums. I don't know who owns these because I'm not close enough to them, but I, I don't I don't see why in five years you can't have a kiosk inside Wrigley Field and, and take bets on Cubs games because it's going to make money. Now, I don't know if the Cubs are going to piece of that. I don't know if it's the government or if it's the Ricketts or whatever. There are so many things to be ironed out, mm-hmm. but you look at what they do in other countries, man. I mean, America's in the dark age, really, when it comes to this. Live right. betting pre-betting, halftime betting, that is all norm in other countries. And in America, they're just finally getting into it. Yeah, so this is what I'm really interested too is the the basic infrastructure of of it all. I mean, we talked about putting them in ballparks and stadiums and arenas. Do you see the scenario, I guess in the short term, they're probably going to be, you know, putting kiosk you know, racetracks, casinos, of course, and then maybe even like OTBs. You know, the, my my local watering hole, Sam, where I just go get a couple beers with buddies, has an OTB attached to it, and it is packed all of the time. And I got to believe a lot of those guys would love to be able to walk up to one window and place a few bucks on the ponies and then walk to the other window right next door and place a few bucks on the Cubs or the Sox or the Bears. So in terms of like the actual... Like where these these kiosks and these betting parlors will actually physically be, because I know there's going to be a, a, a digital component to it as well. Um, how do you see that uh, playing out? You, th- you see them kind of piggybacking off stuff that's already in place, or do you see like actual just building ground up brick and mortar betting parlors where, where people can go hang out and place bets? I think your best bet, you sort of alluded to it, is that the casinos and racetracks will have first dibs because they're already established and there's already a clientele there. Now, there's 10 casinos in in Illinois and five in Chicagoland. I would imagine they get a first crack along with the racetracks. you still got Hawthorne and Arlington in Chicagoland. So I imagine 
those are going to be the places that, that have first dibs because, like I said, they're already built. They already have gambling there. There's slot machines at blackjack and poker and tracks you could bet on races, of course. So those would be the front runners, of course. But I wouldn't rule out, you know, corporations coming in and hedge fund managers and just saying, hey, you know what, let's pull our money together and let's create a sports book. I think in London alone, there's like 1,200 places where you can make a bet. Those are not all casinos and tracks, right? Those are, I mean, those are betting parlors. Those are conglomerates. So while the casinos and racetracks will start first, I, I think betting parlors will soon pop up. I've had friends in Chicago say, hey, like, what, what do we do? Like, you, you, you want in? You, like, people already asked me if I want to invest with them because they want to open up a sports book. And I'm like, hold on, pump the brakes. Like, I don't, know, I don't know what's going on yet. But everybody is so eager now to get a piece of this because everybody wants to chip into that black market. Chicago is dominated by local bookies. Yeah. And last year, the black market, the figures, according to Bloomberg and the New York Post, said that in America there was $150 billion bet illegally. $150 billion, not million, billion with a B. So everybody sees an opportunity to make some money, and you're not only going to have casinos and racetracks, but you'll have big, big spending individuals, big business guys, corporations. Everybody wants in now. It's kind of like uh, marijuana and weed, right? Exactly. I mean, you see, you see people, thing. there's an, like an arms race to try to get these things popped up and, and, and bite into that huge piece of the pie that is there in the betting world. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. I would love to just see like a really cool, you know, brand new sports book be built here in Chicago somewhere. You know, like a Vegas style where you can go hang out, all the games are on, you can go place your bets, there's a bar, maybe some, some you know, just like kind of a cool hangout area. But, I, you know, I think that's, um, as you said, I think it, they're probably going to be... Um, you know, piggybacking off casinos and, and racetracks and things like that because they're they're in place. Um, let's talk uh, before I let you go. Uh, Cubs, Sox. What are you? What are Sam from? Are you keeping an eye on the Chicago sports scene out there in Vegas, Sam? What are your thoughts on uh, both clubs this year so far? I still follow. I still read. I still listen. You know, I'm bouncing around. GM, the tour, ESPN. How at the park podcast? Listening every week. I'm sure to make sure you're <laughs> yeah. tuned in. I've got to keep my ears on the ground because I have to understand why my White Sox are only at ten wins right now. It makes me sick. You know, one of my uh, one of my bets this year when I got here when they opened up the baseball win totals, they had the White Sox at like sixty six and a half wins, mm-hmm. and I walked up to the counter and I bet the over, and actually it closed at seventy two. So it was a good bet at the time because it moved almost six wins. Wow. Problem is, as you know, when you're on this team way more than I am they're not trying to win and they've got guys in the minors that are ready to play right now that are just, you know, hustling away. You know, Eloy Jimenez could hit fifth on this team right now. And we all know that, but they're slow playing their hand. And that's what you do when you're rebuilding. Now we know they're trying to get in the top three, top four picks in the draft. Hell, if the season ended today, they'd have the number one pick because they're the worst team in the league. So the White Sox are just slow playing their hand and it makes sense. You know, if you, if you stick to the rebuilding plan, you don't want to rush. And I understand that that's all gravy, but the Cubs, People are uh, people are concerned here about their hitting. Now there were a lot of bets on the over, which was about ninety three and a half, ninety four, and the Cubs right now just haven't got it together. I don't know what it is. I from from the fire, it looks like you Darvish has not been as good as advertised. I think you'd rather have Arietta at this point in time than Darvish. And I don't know that the middle relief is as good as it's been in years past. Not to mention the offense isn't coming around. As far as I can tell, it's guys like Rizzo not hitting. Addison Russell has regressed again at the plate. So I think the Cubs have the talent to go around. They might have the best the, the best talent in the division still, but 
Until you start winning games and pulling away, that division is good, man. St. Louis is a really good team. Milwaukee's good. Pittsburgh is surprising people. So I think the division is tougher than people thought it was going to be. And I don't know that uh, the Cubs have put their best foot forward yet. What do you think? Well, um, yeah, I think they're absolutely underperforming right now. I think you mentioned the depth of the division, and that's that's going to play a factor down the road. We saw it last year. I remember the Cubs playing those high-leverage games in Milwaukee and things like that, and, and the bullpen was taxed, and then they had to go to St. Louis, and, and that was a close series, and then that absolutely impacted their postseason. I, I've said this before that you know they basically – that was it was an impressive, very impressive series win over Washington in the opening series, and everybody looked at how that basically burnt out the bullpen. I'm like, yeah, that that was like the exclamation point to burning out the bullpen. The fact that the Cubs put themselves in a spot last year down the stretch to have to play all these important games, that played a factor into the way the bullpen was used in the postseason as well. So they're underperforming. Um, I'm not going to hit the panic button, uh, button on Darvish. The thing I've said about the, the Cubs offense before is that they want it, and it's with all, that young core, like people forget how young they are. You know what I mean? Like they they won the World Series with all these guys in their young twenties. In some ways, like a lot of these guys are still developing players. So I think that's why we see this streakiness on the offense. You see them put up this raw talent and they crush the ball and they you know they score ten runs in a game and then the next the next game they don't have the right approach at the plate and you have guys uh um you know learning and adapting at the plate. So I think that's where we've kind of seen the 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 streakiness with this Cubs team. I I think they just have so much talent they're going to win the division. You you say 93, 90, 94 is kind of that number. It's it's going to be close. It's going to be close. But that's they're going to have to win a lot of games with this division. I don't I don't know if Pittsburgh can play this well for for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, the, the divisional race is going to impact that team, and they're probably going to have to add another arm. The bullpen's been fine. They're just going to probably have to add another arm because they are going to play in some high leverage games uh, later in the season. So uh, before I let you go though, Sam, what's the what's the line on the Bears? Is Vegas thinking like uh, 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 what what are their thoughts on on Mitch and the boys right now after the? draft so this is what i was told actually two days ago so the only one we're open is six and a half uh so you have to win seven to win that over bet seven or more and if they win five or six of course you lose because you got to go over six and a half vegas opened that number at uh, minus 120 on the over so you had to lay 120 to win 100 and right now uh the juice is at minus 140 to go over six and a half so all they've really done they haven't moved the number they've moved the juice so if you want to bet the over you're getting taxed an extra twenty cents instead of one twenty to win a hundred. You're laying one forty to win a hundred, which I'm never going to do on a win total because that's too much of a price there. So, long story short, Chicago money, the Chicago perspective, and like I said, I've been listening and reading. I know a lot of people have this team for seven, eight wins. I think somebody in that town had it for nine and seven, which is a little, a uh, little much, I think, uh, right now. But the, the professional money is coming in on the under. They just think that Mitchell Trubisky needs a little bit of time, and I know the comparison is there. Look what Jared Goff did in year two. Look what Carson Wentz did in year two. I think talent-based, though, those teams are just much more talented offensively. And, and I know Trubisky has more weapons now with Robinson and Burton and Gabriel. And you still have Howard and Cohen. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take time for them to gel. And that division, you can make the case they're still the fourth-best team in that division because right. Green Bay still has Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings have the best defense. And I think Matt Patricia is going to really do some good things with that Detroit team. I think capitalize and utilize a lot of things that they have. So those three teams have been together longer. And I think the Bears, well, they could win seven or eight games this year. I'm not laying that price. I'll wait and see. I really want to attack them next year. I'm thinking about a ticket on them in 2019 to win the NFC, win the Super Bowl. 
I think they'll make a bigger jump in year two under Nagy uh, than opposed to year one. Because remember, this is still his first year as a head coach in the NFL. So I'm not too confident yet. The professionals in Vegas are betting under six and a half. And as you know, all the over money is coming from Chicago. Yeah, it's that classic Chicago Bears optimism from the fan base following the draft. So um, I, I do think a lot of good things are in, in motion at Hallis Hall, and I, I think they're, um, yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's still early in Trubisky's career, so um, we shall see. Seven, six and a half, you said, is the uh, over-under right now. Uh, he's Sam Paniotovich, Vincent, Vegas Stats and Information Network. When can people um, watch you, listen to you on uh, Sirius XM 204? Uh, when can people tune in to hear Sam Paniotovich? So I'm on Mondays through Wednesdays from 12 to 3 Pacific, uh, 12 to 3 Pacific time. And then I got the weekends, 11 in the morning at 3 p.m. Uh, the show on the weekends is called The Green Zone, which is a lot of fun. We're watching games as they're coming down to the wire. You know, we're watching a basketball game starts at 1230 that ends about 3. And we're, we're going nuts when buzzer beaters go in and stuff. So uh, during the week, 12 to 3, Monday through Wednesday. And then on Saturday and Sunday, 11 to 3 Pacific. Awesome. He's Sam Paniatovich. Follow him on Twitter at SP Shoot. Appreciate you jumping on, man. I know you got to run, but uh, thanks for bringing some context on the whole new gambling uh, rule and uh, talking some Cubs, Sox, and Bears as well. Thanks for jumping on, man. Keep holding down the floor, brother. Working on it. Thank you to Sam Paniatovich. You can follow him on Twitter at SP Shoot. Highly recommend you do that. Check out his stuff at Vissen. Up next on the podcast, Vinny Duber from NBC Sports Chicago. Talk a little bit of a whole Chicago baseball scene, including Cubs and White Sox. We even uh, talk about the Robinson Cano suspension as well. Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago. He covers the Cubs and White Sox. He does it well. He's a uh, karaoke singing machine as well. An all-star in that department. Vinny, how you doing, man? Any karaoke lately for you? Not lately. Uh, I'm doing well, but yeah, I haven't uh, haven't gotten back to it. That might be uh, something that I only do within the uh, state borders of Arizona. <laughs> Things get a little crazy during uh, out in the desert at times. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's start with uh, let's start with the White Sox here. You know, I've, I was I was tweeting about it the other night. I've, I wrote about it. That the good news here is as disastrous as for the most part this season has been in terms of wins and losses. I mean, we knew going in they weren't going to win a whole lot of games. It was all about individual growth. But it's been pretty ugly. It's been a pretty bad product. You know, I've been telling Sox fans the good news is that this is probably the bottom of the barrel. It's only going to get better from here. Um, do you do you think that's accurate? I mean, I'm not misguided here, am I? I don't I don't really see this getting any worse because the reinforcements are coming, whether it's from your own farm system and then at free agency this upcoming off season. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think also too, you know, nowhere to go from uh, nowhere to go but up from when you got the last the last record in baseball, the worst record in baseball, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to get better, obviously. You knew the job was dangerous when you took it with this season. You knew that it was going to be short on wins. Uh, you knew that you were going to be looking for silver linings kind of every day, and, and those have existed. I mean, Yohan Moncada has been tearing the cover off the ball uh, when he's been healthy and on the field. Uh, you know, you've got Reynaldo Lopez, who, uh, despite a real bad start in Pittsburgh, uh, has been pretty pretty darn good all year long. Uh, you know, you got guys like Tim Anderson and Matt Davidson who are maybe carving out uh, future roles on this team. So the silver linings have been there, and yeah, there's really nowhere to go but up. You mentioned the uh, reinforcements coming. You know, it might not be today, which White Sox fans uh, would like to see some of those prospects up uh, as soon as possible. But uh, before the year's over, you're definitely going to see some new faces. Among some of these young guys that do matter for the future, I guess Lopez, Fulmer, and Giolito, who's impressed you the most so far? Well, of those three guys, it's definitely Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, you know, he hasn't 
really allowed much uh, outside of a couple of starts. Uh, I mentioned that one bad one he had in Pittsburgh, but uh, other than that, he's been pretty darn impressive. Uh, even if he's not keeping guys off base, he's keeping them from crossing home plate, and that's really uh, the number one job when you're a pitcher. Uh, poorly, poor Lucas Giolito, man. I mean, we we were expecting big things out of him from what we saw at the end of last season, from what we saw in spring training, uh, and he's really struggled with his command. He's just walking a lot of guys. Uh, you saw it in the Crosstown series when he walked seven guys. Still got a win in that game, so I guess mm-hmm. there's your silver lining there, but... Uh, Guys like Giolito and Fulmer have uh, have struggled, and you know what? They're not finished products yet. These are the growing pains that come uh, with development, and that's what we knew this season was going to be about. Rick Hahn has been saying uh, since the offseason that this is kind of the hardest part of this rebuilding process is sitting here and waiting for these guys to turn into the players that you hope they're going to turn into, uh, and that's what we're seeing on a daily basis. Yeah, it's interesting with Lopez because among those three guys, Fulmer, Giolito, and Lopez, you know, a lot of scouts, a lot of baseball people didn't necessarily project him moving forward to be a top-of-the-line rotation guy. And I'm not saying he is, but it's – it's. Um, I don't know if I'm surprised to see it, but I, I think Fulmer and Giolito, we all kind of anticipated those guys have a higher upside with maybe some better stuff. But I, I guess what do you think has been working for Lopez? Why has he been able to be, be so successful over the past uh, first couple months here of the season? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I I, I touched on, I think it's getting out of jams, right? I mean, you've seen him put some guys on base in a lot of his starts, but maybe they haven't gotten all the way around and and put the damage up on the scoreboard. Uh, You know, that's the number one job of a pitcher is to prevent the other team from scoring runs. And no matter how you do it, uh, if you can do it successfully, then you're going to have a future. I think that rotation of the future, uh, a lot of people were penciling in the Giolitos, the Kopecks, the Hansons, and, you know, it's they've got a lot of pitching prospects. They've got a lot of young guys. But remember, Reynaldo Lopez was uh, as big a part of that uh, Adam Eaton trade as anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giolito obviously had the hype, but Reynaldo Lopez uh, was a top-rated guy as well. And to see him be able to do this, be able to maybe carve out a spot in that future rotation, which has a lot of guys gunning for five spots, you know, you got to be very impressed by what he's done. This has become a mandatory question on the podcast every single week, Vinny, and that's when do you think Michael Kopech and Eloy Jimenez will be called up to the big league club? Wow, I haven't heard that one before. I know. Kevin. That's, uh, that's, that's a first. Uh, listen, uh, White Sox fans obviously would like those guys to be here, what, a month and a half ago, right? But, uh, you know, there's no rush. This team was never going to be contending for a playoff spot or a division title. Uh, and certainly after the start they've had, that's going to be true for the rest of the year. Uh, bringing Michael Kopech up to make a last-place team a little bit better doesn't make any sense. Bring him up early, I should say. Uh, you know, they're going to wait and see – make sure he gets all those boxes checked at the AAA level. I mean, you know, he'll throw up those box scores and people will see him and they'll be like, this guy should have been here, uh, you know, a year ago with all the guys he's striking out. But it's not all in those box scores, as Rick Hahn has said. There are other things that they're looking to make sure everything they want to see from the AAA level is done. And then he can come up to the major league level. And you know what? Maybe that's not until june or july or august look at last year what what happened with Johan moncada he was the number one prospect in baseball and he was putting up some real good numbers at triple a and they didn't just bring him up in may because he was doing well in triple a they waited to make sure that he checked all those boxes and i think that's what you're going to see with kopech uh on to jimenez maybe the season runs out and he's not here yet. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a guy who hasn't really played that much double-A baseball yet, and obviously he is doing great things 
from a statistics perspective down there. Uh, But, you know, there are other boxes that they want to see checked there, and then they want him to play in AAA and get more experience with a different kind of pitcher, pitchers who are going to attack him in a different way at the AAA level. So there's no rush to get these guys to the big leagues, even though everybody wants to see them. So just let them develop, play that waiting game as hard as it might be. One of the names we've been hearing bounce around the baseball world over the past week or so is Manny Machado of the Orioles. The reason we've been hearing a lot about him here in Chicago is because there was some rumors and speculation maybe the Cubs could go for him as a rental player. And, you know, Addison Russell's name comes up, Kyle Schwarber's name comes up. But we've heard Theo Epstein say they, they don't want to have to pay a premium for a, a rental player. And then, of course, White Sox fans have been salivating at the mouth, dreaming of, an, of a lineup with Moncada, Machado, and, and Jimenez some point down the road. So he's obviously been on the radar for Sox fans and, and now Cub fans, too. I think Cub fans are starting to be like, okay, well, uh, this would be incredible. So um, I guess, is there... If you had a bet, would you say Machado lands with the Cubs as a rental or with the Sox down the road or maybe with both as a Cubs a rental with the Cubs and then signing with the Sox in the offseason? I think I'm going to go off the board and say uh, he probably won't play for either Chicago team, and I know that might be disappointing to uh, to a lot of folks out there. But but you never know. I, I think the point is that Manny Machado is going somewhere before the season is so you over. You don't think the, the Sox will, will get him as, in the offseason? You don't think they could win? Yeah, the I, think th- I think they'll. I think they'll make a run at him, but I think he's going to command an awful lot of money. I mean, one of the biggest contracts ever. You're going to see. I mean, with his age and his production, uh, and a lot of teams, all teams are going to be in the bidding for this crazy offseason full of you know the top players in baseball: Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. Maybe you got Clayton Kershaw out there. I mean, you're talking about an all-star team of free agents. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll make a run at him. I, I don't know if they can bid against the Yankees or, or other teams like that. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Should uh, Cub fans be panicking about you, Darvish? It seems like they're already panicking, and I've sort of tried to you know, temper the fear a little bit. I, th- I think he has a large enough body of work where we can point to certain things in his splits and say, okay, I think, think he'll be okay, but it's just pretty much about a bad of a start as you could have drawn up for Darvish in Chicago. Yeah, it's it's been unfortunate. Uh, I think you, in the end, you got to look to the track record. You know what I mean? I mean, even even last year, you know, glaring problems there in the World Series uh, aside, he was putting up you know regular U Darvish type numbers, and the track record is just too good to think that this is going to be the U Darvish we see on the North Side for the rest of the season uh, or the rest of that contract or however long a time period you want to put on it. But, uh, no, I, I mean, I I wouldn't panic. Uh, I would be, you know, concerned that this is what he's done the first month and a half of the season. But I think you got to look to what he's done in the past and be like, you know what, this is a guy who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball in recent years. I don't think that just turns off. Uh, you know, he's got to come around at some point here. I, I think any worries over Jose Quintana, I'd probably have the same answer. Uh, it's a long season. And we, we saw last year when guys got off uh, to poor starts with the Cubs, the pitchers getting off to poor starts. And by the time that all-star break came and went, they were a completely different team. So, uh, you know, I, I really think that the start that the Cubs have had and some of those players in particular, give it time. Let's see if the stretch is deep into the summer, then obviously, yes, we have uh, cause for concern. But right now, I think you got to look to the track record of what both Darvish and Quintana have done over the course of their careers and be like, you know what? I think we're going to get that guy eventually. Mm-hmm. Vinny, as we speak here today, the NL Central, four teams separated by just a game through 40 
40 games so far, roughly 40 games. Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, the Cubs, and St. Louis. It's it's a deep division this year. Who do you think is the biggest threat to the Cubs uh, to winning the Central? Uh, I would go with the Cardinals. Cardinals have been really impressive, and uh, you know they got that big offseason acquisition in Ozuna, and he really hasn't been the guy they thought he was going to be for the bulk of uh, 2018 so far. So uh, once he turns it on, they've got a, a huge bat in the middle of that lineup, and then you know everybody else doing their typical Cardinal thing around him, right? So uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's a team that, for you know, to their credit, always seems to be in it. Uh, and with the Cubs, you know, Cubs Cardinals, that's a, that's a, it goes back a long ways. The Brewers have a lot of injuries. Uh, the Brewers have had some trouble with the Cubs this year. So I think the Cardinals are the team uh, that the Cubs have to uh, be worried about contending with the most. Hey, last question before I let you go, Vinny. Um, outside of the Cubs and the Sox, one of the baseball's great players got popped for 80 games. Um, violating the MLB drug policy in Robinson Cano, and uh, I'm sure you saw that. It's it's um, it's it just it just seemed like we had finally kind of turned a corner, and you hadn't really seen stuff like this among the great players in baseball. And I know, of course, you know Cano immediately went to his his, his own defense, saying, "Oh, he didn't. He wasn't using the drugs for performance enhancing reasons." Yada yada yada. I, Frank Thomas went on a huge rant on I think it was MLB Network about it. Um, it's frustrating for me. The very first thing I thought of was, you know, this image of Cano talking with Yoan Moncada uh, at 35th and Shields earlier this year. It was like, you know, people dream of the day Moncada could maybe be like a Cano type player at second base. Um, it's 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 just it's just kind of almost devastating. It's like, damn it, why why do they continue to do this despite Cano getting a 240 million dollar contract, or whatever it was, just a few years ago? He's still dabbling in this, and there are still players obviously using it. Um, I guess your thoughts on the whole matter, and um, I guess just steroid use in general in baseball. Are they still are they doing enough, or does it need to be even more severe the punishments? Yeah, I'll say I'll certainly say it's a bummer to see a guy as, as great as Cano uh, thrown into that mix. You know, I think it was just a few weeks back, maybe when the Mariners were in town, uh, right. that uh, you know someone in the press box just throws out as a conversation topic. Do we think Cano's a Hall of Famer? And you know, for me, I, first thing was, yeah, of course he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that uh, is going to have a wrench thrown in it at this point, but. Uh, you know, growing up in the, in in the '90s when all of that, uh, all those home runs were going out of the park and and everything, I, I tend to not have as strong a stance on the whole steroid thing as maybe some people who are in uh, generations ahead of me. Uh, I loved watching Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire do their thing. Uh, you know, and and certainly the players and former players have very good reason to be upset when this kind of thing happens, and certainly they are the ones whose opinion. Uh, you know that we should be we should be acknowledging because they're the ones who are you got guys who are doing it the right way and guys who are are, are circumventing the rules uh, in certain situations. So I've never been one to you know really get really mad over steroid use, but at the same time, when you see a guy like a Verlander or Frank Thomas or or whoever else goes out and and shows their rage over the matter you, you kind of get a different opinion you get a different perspective from guys who uh, have done things you know without the help of steroids so uh, it's an interesting topic you know and and it is a bummer to see an all-time great really in Cano thrown into a group of guys who uh, who are being viewed as tainted he's Vinny Duber you can read his stuff at uh, NBCSportsChicago.com covering the Cubs and the White Sox Vinny thanks a bunch for jumping on and I'll see you in the press box soon thanks a bunch 
Thanks so much. It was good. That's going to do it for episode number 11 of the Powell at the Park podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you again for tuning in. Please uh, follow me on Twitter at kpowell 720 If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well. Thanks to Sam Paniatovich from Vissen talking about the new sports gambling laws in America. Thanks to Vinny Duber from NBC Sports Chicago. Appreciate him jumping on. Thanks a bunch and hope you can join us for episode number 12. I've got some cool things in the works for the podcast, so stay tuned for that. More to come. Kevin Powell, thank you for listening. Have a great day.